Hello and welcome to Not For The Dinner Table! Indeed. <laughs> oh, throw oh, the cork for lungs. the dog. Yeah, there we go. Uh, welcome and tonight <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk about spells and curses and witches and whatnot. Yes, I'm so excited to be going back to witchcraft oh, and spells yeah. and curses. We thought that we would uh, go back because there's just so, such a lot to do with witches, etc. A plethora, etc. So we thought that we would just go back and do a little delve into what we fancied. Because um, <laughs> it's our we, podcast. Because it's ours and we can. <laughs> Don't stop us. <laughs> um... So yeah, so that's what we're doing this week. Here so, we go. oh, cheers for that, man! Cheers, welcome, cheers. welcome along, everyone. So, how are you, Dave? Mm. I'm really good. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, good to be back in the podcast area. Oh, in the <laughs> podcast area, it's fab, isn't it? I love it. I can't wait so to, to nice. delve into some spells yeah. and curses and yeah. just have a jolly good old time a jolly good evening yeah we've I'm opened super, the super excited you are like I'm a little puppy beside myself beside myself <laughs> I'm beside myself it's so exciting mm-hmm. oh so have you got any news yes I do have some news and do I you? do oh, how are you oh I'm fine sorry thanks for asking yeah <laughs> it's not all about me I'm fine saw Dippy the Dino <gasps> I saw on yeah. Instagram. Amazing. Put some pickies up on Insta. Ernie found the Loch Ness Monster. He did. He's super cute. That was super cute. Yeah. So we had a great time, actually. And it's friggin' massive. Mm, it is. Yeah. I've de- I will have seen Dippy when he was in the Natural History Museum. Mm. I haven't been since he was removed. Not so, out of protest. Uh, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> Just haven't, haven't ventured. So for our overseas listeners, uh, Dippy the Dino is uh, a dinosaur who was at the Natural History Museum in London and they dismantled him and taken him on tour around the UK. Mm. And he's been to Cardiff. So um, me, Ernest and Andy went on the train and went to see Dippy the Dino. Fabulous. It was lovely. Very uh, cultural. I've just got in my head, Denver, the last dinosaur, <laughs> he's my friend and a whole lot more. I don't know what Can that is. Can you not remember that no. cartoon? I'm no. sure it's a cartoon. Oh gosh. Yeah, sorry. No. I don't remember it. Well, on that note, we'll move swiftly <laughs> onto some Let's Not for the Dinner Table song. news. Indeed. Are you ready? I'm ready. No, no news is good news, but some news might be nice news. Not for the dinner table Lovely. Beautiful. So, shall I tell you a little news? Yeah, if you can. Um, we... <laughs> well, I'll try. <laughs> What's the matter with you? I don't know. I'm sorry, listeners. Um, we talked about Guy Fawkes. We did, in episode 28. We did, and uh, I uh, did a little bit of Google oh. and found that in... Uh, around the world countries that do have a lot of expatriates of England celebrate Guy Fawkes Night Mm. so you will find it celebrated in places such as Australia Dubai 
New York, etc. Wow. Yes. We used to celebrate it in Epcot on the 5th of November. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We would make little handcrafted fireworks. Handcrafted fireworks? So they were made out of, like, paper. Right. To look like boom, like the boom bit of the firework. And we'd go around singing the song. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The boom bit of the firework. When the firework explodes. Yeah. So it goes poof. Oh. And it, like, is all colourful and yeah. light so we would like to <clears throat> do that with paper we'd cut it into oh, okay like a pom-pom yeah. but a firework okay. pom-pom yeah <laughs> that was rough <laughs> fabulous well i'm glad that there are some international yeah, celebrations there are. burning effigies around the world <laughs> weird so weird right do you want to tell me a bit of news? I've got yeah. a couple of pieces. So. I've only got one piece okay. and it's a bit of space news. Oh, yes. Because listeners, you know I love space. You, you do. know I love uh, UFOs. Hmm. So NASA has unveiled their submersible robot that they hope to one day send to Jupiter's moon Europa. Wow. Reported on Vice.com, the submersible known as Bruy the buoyant rover for under ice exploration. Oh, yes. he sounds lovely. Yeah, I know, like so cute. Yeah. Bruy is being tested underneath Antarctica's sea ice with the hopes that a similar machine will travel to your ro- re- <laughs> Where? <laughs> that a similar machine will travel to Europa in the search for extraterrestrial life. The robot uses buoyancy to anchor itself upside down on the bottom edge of the ice and then probes into the depths of the ocean. What will it find? What will it find? Can you imagine if there are mermaids on Europa? No. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I bet it will find? Bacteria. Yeah, but also, you know those little, uh, what are they called? Sea monkeys. That's what they'll find. They're weird. Or I like don't like them. A humongous crab. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a humongous crab. Indeed. Yeah. Well, listeners, stay tuned <laughs> to Not for the Dinner Table. We don't know when Brewie's going to be launched. No. We don't know when it's going to get to Europa. But when it does. I think it'll take a long time. We'll be sure to report it. Unless we're dead. Episode it might 367. <laughs> Brewie's finally got there, people. We're 258 now. <laughs> Still podcasting. We're heads in jars. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, so that's my only bit of news. Okay, well, let me tell you some more news. Um, So uh, an old friend of ours, Kate, (coughs) messaged uh, me the other day asking us to delve into conspiracies of the Spanish court. Oh. So we've asked uh, on previous shows for people to send in conspiracies and Kate got in contact and she said that she had been watching Rain on Netflix. Mm. Um, Have you watched it? No. No, I haven't either, but I think I might. Okay. Because I think I might like it. Um, But she says that it's really interesting and it's all about the Spanish court and in particular the poisonings by the Spanish Queen Mother. And then she sent me a link to uh, a place called the Poison Garden. Have you ever heard of that? No. So it's in Alnwick, which is up north. Mm -hmm. It's in Northumberland, I think. Is it Alnwick Castle? Yeah. 
Um, so it's a garden which is filled with plants that can kill you. Wow. And it's called the Poison Garden. I love that. Yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? Yes. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so maybe one day if we're up north, we can go and have a little look in there. The Poison Garden. Hopefully so, we'll make it out alive. Yeah, fingers crossed. So thanks, Kate, for getting in touch and uh, giving us that little conspiracy. We'll pop it on the fondue. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and then my last bit of news, uh, which I got told this evening, actually, by my sister. So yeah. wait for it. It's going to knock your socks off. When she was 15, she took a book about being a witch out of the library because she was into that kind of thing. Moody, yeah. moody 15 year old. Um, and she said in the chapter about flying a broom or witches flying... Um, it told her that witches used to grind dried magic mushrooms up <laughs> and put them up their fannies <laughs> to hallucinate God. about flying. <laughs> oh. Okay. That's my older sister, who's a science teacher, telling me about magic mushrooms, witches shoving magic mushrooms up their fannies to hallucinate flying. Yes, and for our American listeners, Fanny is not what you think it is. It's a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> what do people in the US think a Fanny is? A bum. Oh, no. That's why it's called Fanny Pack. Oh, of course, yeah. No, not your Fanny. Your vagina. <laughs> okay, they've got it. <laughs> well, thank you for that, that little ditty, Amy. That was absolutely enlightening. I had to put it in because it made me laugh yeah. so much yeah, when she told me. I love it. She's deadpan as well, you know, like she's so serious. And she was like, yeah, she used to stick them at the fannies. And I was <laughs> like, oh, great. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Oh, oh dear. Right, so there you go. That's all the news. Well done. All the news. All the news. Right, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first or you can go first. <laughs> you know, maybe okay. we should have thought about that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think you went, you can go first. <clears throat> okay. Right, so we decided that we would go into a little foray back into witches, didn't we? Yeah. And I said about maybe doing spells. Um, and so the first thing that sprang to my mind was Anne Boleyn, mm -hmm. because um, from my limited knowledge, I was like, she, I'm sure she cast some spells on old Henry VIII. Yeah. Um, anyway, so after doing a little bit of delving and uh, ducking and diving on the old Wikipedia um, <laughs> and other places, um, she actually wasn't a witch. Uh, There's no evidence at all that Anne Boleyn was a witch. She was never accused of it. She oh, was wow. never, yeah, she was never. Uh, there's a lot of places that say that she was accused of witchcraft, but then there's a lot of very esteemed places that say she absolutely was not accused of being a witch. But you would expect the esteemed places to say that, Sophie, <laughs> because they are... It's in a conspiracy. League. They're in league. The whole royal so, family are witches. They are. Well, I'll come on to that. Um, 
But so unfortunately, she wasn't. It was all just rumours uh, that have got completely out of control. So I thought, well, I'll just have a little look at the rumours. Um, the rumours were that she had six fingers on one of her hands, oh. which was a sign of being a witch. Yeah. Burn um, her. <laughs> burn her. No, just chop her head off. That'll do. Um, she That's had, what they did to Anne, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, off, yeah, she did, yeah. Um, <laughs> she had a Nanny McPhee tooth, like a protruding tooth. Did she? Well, rumour, I don't think she did because Henry VIII was quite lusty, wasn't he? Like he yeah. liked his ladies. So I can't imagine with the pick of the crop that Henry VIII would have picked her out if she had a Nanny McPhee tooth. Now, I want to make a counter-argument here. Okay. In all the portraits of Anne Boleyn... <laughs> Have you ever seen her smile? No. Oh, so maybe she did have a Nanny McPhee tooth. But in all the portraits of the uh, royal family, do any of them ever smile? No. Again, why Because they've that? all got Nanny McPhee teeth. <laughs> <laughs> my, one of my favourite things is seeing Queen Elizabeth II, uh, the video where the cows, like, you know, she's at that event and then, like, <laughs> they bring in all of these cows. Yeah. And, like, she, like, they cut to the Queen and she points and she goes, like, she mouths cows and then she smiles. <laughs> and she's just, like, you can see that she's just so excited to see them. She's like, oh, cows! Oh, I love it! Yeah, sorry. Oh. Um, so the other little rumour was that once she gave birth to a mass of flesh and hair and teeth, Oh. Due to spells she'd cast to secure an heir to the throne. Oh. But also, also known as Elizabeth I. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but she was also believed to have slept with her brother as well to conceive an heir. Oh, very Game of Thrones. Very Game of Thrones. Very. So, um, wanting to stick with uh, queens, which queens, um, I delved into another story which is also rumour ridden but still thoroughly enjoyable of Elizabeth Woodville so do you know anything about her? No I don't think I've ever heard of her Right okay so she married Edward IV Okay Okay. (laughs) I've got to go with it because if I don't I will lose my place and then that'll be it Dave I'll stop interjecting It'll be all over the place no, you feel free. Please do. Um, so I know about her because I've watched The White Queen, um, mm-hmm. which is a TV series that was out. And also I've read uh, some of the books which Philippa Gregory has written about Elizabeth Woodville and her family. And mm-hmm. um, she portrays them as witches or um, not witches, but women with... Uh, a mysterious background. Um, so she married Edward the Fourth. Okay. So she caused a huge amount of controversy as she was a widow before she married him. She was a widow of a middle class noble. So she's not really on the king's radar at all. Um, she she's not of royal stock, um, and she's like. I guess, like, upper middle class, if you know what I mean. So yeah. she's not, like, in the circle of So royals. she's like a maiden Chelsea star. Yeah! She's like 
Gemma Collins. No, that's no, she's not. Towie. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch any of them. Spencer Matthews. Right. Yes. Or Jamie Lang. Jamie Lang. Yeah. Couldn't do Strictly. Couldn't do Strictly. Good job. We've got big guns. He's it like he's the heir to the the biscuit. He's the heir to the McVitie's. Yeah. Throne. Yes. Right. Kind of. Yes. So, she also had two sons by... Oh, okay. ...by her dead... Uh, her, her dead husband, um, who is John Gray of Groby. Oh. Yeah, great. Um, he died in the Second Battle of St Albans. Oh, what okay. happened there? Well, I don't know. I didn't go into it. Oh, died. <laughs> well, he died, yeah. So, this left Elizabeth widowed with two sons not really knowing what to do. Um, so she thought, right, going to ensnare the king. She picked herself up, she dusted herself yeah. off, and she got her eyes on the prize. She did. She absolutely did. She's like, there's only <laughs> one way out of this. I need to marry I the king. I need to marry the king of England. <laughs> I mean, I really hope that's what she did. <laughs> I love it. She was like in her little drawing room study and she's like, oh God, what can I do? What, what can, can I, I do? do? What can I do? I um, know. <laughs> she committed. <laughs> she committed. She visualised it and it came true. Do you think she had a mood board? <laughs> she definitely did. She absolutely, she mood boarded the shit out of it. <laughs> right. Sorry. It's unclear how the king met Elizabeth due to their extreme differences. But the story goes that he was hunting in the woods one day and she was waiting. Beside, all I can think about is the mood board. All, and she was waiting by the roadside for him. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth, very, very beautiful so in all of uh, the written records of her, she was absolutely stunning, like knockout. So the king obviously slows down. He's like, whoa, look at this hottie totty on the side of the road. Um, she offers him a cup of ale and um, apparently it was laced with a love potion. Um, and Edward instantly fell head over heels for her. So... <clears throat> She yes. is literally the first groupie on record. Yeah, you're right there. She is. She knew where he was going to be. Yeah. So she's hanging out the side of With a love the hunting potion. ground. Yeah. And she's like, to I've got to meet him. I've got to meet him. Like pulling, yeah. the, pulling the bodice pulling down. Pulling the bodice down. Pushing her boobies up. Making sure the ale's ready. Flicking her hair. <laughs> yeah, she's getting all ready. Um. So they fell in love, um, and she was five years older than him as well. Um, and they married in secret. Oh. So she's like, she's known as the commoner queen. Oh, wow. Um, they had ten children together, but only five reached adulthood due to illness or disappearing in the Tower of London. So she... The two princes? Yeah. So she's the mother of the two princes? She's the mother of Edward and Richard, who went missing in the Tower. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So it's re- it's really interesting. That's a medieval true crime. Oh. Yes, we'll it have is. have to cover that bad boy. Definitely. 
definitely. Um, so, so that's like the background of her. So Elizabeth was supposedly descended from the river goddess Melusina, who incidentally was much like a mermaid. Ooh. Yeah. Her ancestor, Count Siegfried, apparently married Melusina, and ever since the woman, uh, ever since then, the women of the that line have been blessed with her magical powers. Wow! Yes, she can cast spells. Good. Of which are, <laughs> shut up! It's just the way that I've written it. <laughs> she can change her form. She can create magical shields of protection. She can foresee the future and she can create mental links with other people. Wow. So as well as these spells, which she had memorised, Melusina, and then that those went on to her... Uh, daughters, daughters and her daughter's yeah. daughters. <clears throat> um, she also had many more written down in books. And where these books are now, we do not know. I bet I know where they are. Where? Buckingham Palace. Oh, yeah. Bet they are. On Liz's nightstand. So, um, Melusina was actually a book um, which was very popular in the 15th century as well. So it's like a folklore tale. Mm. And it's um, a tale of, like, love and bells and witchcraft and mystery and it was very popular with the ladies of the court and Elizabeth and her mother both owned a copy um but a nice little uh reference which I I actually got from www.annebelinfiles.com was just owning a copy of Harry Potter books does not make one a wizard Right? So owning a copy of Melusine or Melusina does not make one a, a witch. witch. Unless does it? they're hiding in plain sight. Well, very true. Very true. So Elizabeth and Edward had a happy marriage until he died in 1483. <laughs> <laughs> Best sentence ever. Elizabeth so and Edward had a happy marriage until he so died. They were very much in love. They had oh, lots of good. children. They had quite um, a hassle-free reign, really, until he died of possible typhoid or pneumonia. Oh. So his son, Edward V, born on the 2nd of November, it's my birthday, mm. 1470, was his successor but he never took the throne as he was deposed. But when he was, um, he succeeded, he was never crowned. So he, he did, he was on the throne, but he never got coronated. Okay. There, there wasn't time. L- literally, he was on there for a few months. But he was never crowned. But in his brief reign, he was dominated by his uncle and protector, the Duke of Gloucestershire. <gasps> yes. That's where we're from, listeners. That is. But also, didn't we talk about, I think maybe that was in Guy Fawkes, about people who... Regents. Regents who take the throne. Yeah. Never ends well, does it? Never, Never ends, ends well. well. So he was um, deposed 
by Richard III. Uh, Have I still got you? Yeah. Or am I waffling? No, Edward V was deposed by Richard III. Right. And at the time, the Duke of Gloucestershire was the regent. Yeah. I'm on board. Right, brilliant. So Richard III was a Tudor. He was. Right. And Edward was a Stuart. So this is where we go from Stuarts to Tudors. I didn't know that the Stuarts were before the Tudors. I thought they came afterward. No, the Yorks. Sorry, not the Stuarts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being a dumb bitch there. The Yorks. So they're they're Yorkists, right? So Tudors are Lancastrians? Yes. Okay. Got it? Are they? Have I? Is it not Tudor of York and... No, No, the Tudors Tudors are not definitely Lancastrians. Yeah. We're not historians. Oh, don't don't write in. Don't tell me I'm no, wrong. Do like <laughs> correct us. <laughs> oh well, okay. So I might have got it the wrong way around. But anyway, in... okay. not not the point. Okay, he's deposed by Richard right. III. So he's deposed by Richard III, and because it's the new set of people on the throne, Is they have to dawn? throw out. It's a new dawn. It it's a new, a new day? day. It's a new life for Richard for III. Richard III. <laughs> Um, so he has to um, throw them out, Elizabeth and Edward, with some vigour. So he, uh, Parliament, declares that Edward and Elizabeth's marriage was invalid, partly on the grounds that it had been made by sorcery and witchcraft committed by Jaquetta, who was Elizabeth's mother, and Elizabeth. Wow. So their marriage was like a null. Null and void. Yeah. <gasps> I love that. That's good, doesn't it? Yeah. I hope I haven't got that last bit wrong. Sorry if I have. Um, to sum up, if you were a queen in medieval times and had strong opinions and a political mind, you were pretty much branded a witch. Because mm. those two were. Well, that's it. You know. It's hundreds and hundreds of years of oppression of women. Yeah. Because you don't have a mind. Mm-mm. You can't think. No. You are there for one purpose. Yeah. And that is to create children and to look nice. Well, I've should done both. You dare to do... <laughs> should you dare to do anything? I mean, I, you know, if we were back in the 1600s making a podcast, yeah. however we would do that, I don't know, <clears throat> you would be a witch. Yeah. Because you're expressing your and views. And that's how we do it, because I would magic it into yeah. people's ears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> blasting into uh, your ears. Blasting into your ears. <laughs> we haven't said that for a long time. And then I put, or was Elizabeth truly descended from Melusina, which would mean our favourite, Elizabeth I, was also descended from her, because she was her great, great great grandma how because richard the third married her daughter richard the third married elizabeth's daughter no way you left that ditty out so literally well i left it out to the end but that would mean that elizabeth the first was the last witch because Uh, she didn't have children yes but they also had, uh, but Henry also had other children. So there's still the lineage. Just but Mary still didn't go have on. any kids. Oh no! Yeah, so maybe she Edward. was the last witch. She was the, the last, last descendant of Melusina. The last witch queen of England. Oh, that's the title of a book. The last witch queen of England. Yeah. 
So there you go. I loved it. I also have another little ditty. Ooh, okay. It's very small and it's nothing to do with that. Yeah. I, because uh, we were going to talk about spells and then obviously I got sucked into queens who were witches. Yeah. Um, so I did have a little look into abracadabra. Oh. So uh, it's of unknown origin and has a few entomologies. Do you know what entomologies are, Dave? Uh, where it's derived from, where it's created, where yes. it's come from. Yeah, very good. Well done. Thank you. Um, I looked that up just in case you questioned me on it. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> um, so in Hebrew, it means I will create as I speak. Oh. And in Amoric, Amoraic? Amoraic. It means I create like the word because i was listening to the midnight myth today oh yeah and back in those times words yes. were seen as magical power yeah like to speak was seen as a form of magic hmm. it's where we get i'm gonna absolutely rip off uh, derek and laurel so derek and laurel i love you uh and i'm ripping you off <laughs> That's where curse words come from. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. We love um, you, Midnight Myth. We love you. So the first known mention of the word is by Roman physician Serenus Simonius, who prescribed malaria sufferers to wear an amulet containing the word written in the form of a triangle. So I've done this so you can see. Oh, I love it. And I'll put a picture of that on Instagram. But basically, it's abracadabra written 11 times, taking out each last letter until you're just left with A. So it becomes a triangle. The power of the amulet, he claims, makes lethal diseases go away. Daniel Defoe wrote dismissively about uh, what are you laughing at it, the thing it's not daniel defoe it's not the defoe which is an actor this is daniel defoe who was a poet yes not william defoe not william defoe daniel defoe wrote dismissively about people writing the word on their doorways to ward off sickness during the great plague of london oh that's so, so cool so people would write abracadabra over their wall over their doorways to stop the plague coming in that's amazing so eventually people abandoned the superstition of abracadabra in the 19th century and the word had started to take on a new meaning of fake magic which is why with uh, why magicians use it today yeah. because they're abracadabra they, there's a rabbit in a hat <laughs> i love how you were like because they're magic <laughs> just in case it's not just in case, magic circle. We don't want the magic circle no. after us. No. No, we don't. So last, I'm just going to give you a little fun fact. Okay. To finish off I with. I love a fun fact. There are a group of clams called cadabras. Are there? Yeah. <laughs> and one super funny biologist discovered a new species of the group and called it Abra. That's amazing. Yes. So it's an abracadabra. It's an abracadabra. Aww. But unfortunately, not, 
No, <laughs> not all taxonomists, which are clam... I've put clam hunters here. They're not clam hunters. They're, you know, investigators Species of clams. hunters. Have the same sense of humour, and it has now been renamed Theora Cadabra. Hi, boring. Why, did, that, why uh, do they have to boil things? I know. Why couldn't they have just been called Abracadabra? It brings me back to Uranus being called George. Oh, that is great. Can you imagine if it was like Mercury, Venus, Mars, Earth, Jupiter, Saturn, George, Neptune, Pluto? <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> George. Um, <laughs> I love that fact. Thanks, what's the name? Yeah. Um, so that, my little fact was uh, provided by Andy, who sourced that from Edible Sea Seashore, uh, the River Cottage Handbook number five. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Q. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I so love that. So there you go. That was quite good, Witch wasn't it? Witch queens and spells. Witch queens and abracadabras. Oh, a nice pot of abracadabras, please. Yeah. What do they have muscles in? Uh, mules marinara. Yeah, abracadabras marinara, and please. Pom frits. Pom no. frits. Yes. Yeah. No, is that apple frit? Apple fries? No, don't know. <laughs> we're not French either. We're nope. not historians, and so we're not French. <laughs> we're not French historians. Don't judge us. <laughs> So that was amazing. I loved it. I'm really pleased. That was much better than I thought it was going to be In, when I wrote it all down. Well, you always surprise yourself. I do always surprise myself. And that is what I love about this podcast. Yes. and you, But you never surprise me. Because oh. I know that you're always going to... Thank you. Dish out a great old ditty. <laughs> always. Firework it out. Fireworking it right <laughs> out. <laughs> I do firework it right out. No, I enjoyed researching that. Thank you. You're welcome. Right, Dave, what are you talking about? Okay, Soph. I want to take you back in time. Oh. To a place of myth and magic. Yes, please. Where many gods were worshipped and rituals were seen as sacred and never to be desecrated. Join me as we journey to ancient Egypt yes. and the curse of the pharaohs. Yes! Oh my goodness. Insert Egyptian music here. I'm so excited. What's Egyptian music? Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> yeah, the bad That's gods. the only one the I know, yeah. <laughs> um, right, so before we get started into the actual curse itself, I wanted to touch on a little bit about the burial rites of ancient Egypt so right. we can have a bit of context. Oh, yes. So, the ancient Egyptians had an elaborate set of funerary, funerary practices that they believed were necessary to ensure immortality after death. These rituals involved mummification and the casting of magic spells. In addition, certain burial goods were buried with the deceased as they were needed in the afterlife. Yeah. Greek historians Herodotus and Diodorus Siculus provide the best surviving evidence of how ancient Egyptians approached the preservation of a dead body. <laughs> I nearly got away with that then. <laughs> Sorry, but it was funny. 
Before the body was prepared for burial, yeah. mourners would cover their faces with mud and parade around the town, beating their chest. Wow. The body would be embalmed, yeah. but depending on how the person died, determined when the embalming would take place. Ooh. For example, if someone drowned, they would be embalmed immediately. If a wife of a high-status Egyptian died, her body would not be embalmed until oh. three or four days had passed. She was smelly. This was said to prevent abuse of the corpse, Ooh. which worries oh. me. Worries oh me greatly. Yeah. Once embalmed, the mourners would likely perform the ritual of judgment during what was known as the hour vigil. They would assume the role of the gods Osiris, Seth, Isis, Nephestus, Horus, Anubis, and Thoth, and act out the tale of Seth plotting to kill Osiris, where he eventually captured his body, only for Isis to reclaim it and resurrect him. Though during that time, Osiris's spirit was lost. Mm. Once the body was prepared and the hour vigil completed, a procession to the tomb would take place. Cattle would pull the sarcophagus and friends and family would follow. So very similar to what we do today. Yeah. Priests would burn incense and pour milk before the dead body. Oh. Upon reaching the tomb, the priest would perform the opening of the mouth ceremony. Ooh. That whereby gross. it is gross. But I kind of love the uh, idea of why they do this. Okay. So the deceased's head would be turned to the south and their mouth would be opened so to allow them to speak and defend themselves during the judgment in the afterlife. Oh. So Egyptians believed that when they would die, they would go through the underworld and face the final judgment. Yeah. And that's where they had Osiris... And they would have the weighing scales mm -hmm. and the individual's heart would be placed on the weighing scales against a feather. Yeah. And if it was heavier than the feather, nope, no nice afterlife <sighs> for them. But if it was lighter than the feather or the same weight as the feather, they would go on, they would go to the Egyptian afterlife. Oh. Upon completion of the opening of the mouth ceremony, the deceased would be placed in the tomb along with many trinkets and gifts and items that they would need. There was risk of something called damnation. Oh no. During this process. If a person was not embalmed correctly, then the body would decay. This would render the afterlife unattainable and damnation would occur, mm. meaning the deceased would never experience the afterlife. So they wouldn't even get to the judgment. So it's really, really important for the embalming process to be uh, correct. So you'd for have the to go to a good embalmers. Indeed, indeed. Because, save that extra cash. Yeah, you've got, they, they spent a lot of money on death. And because of that, the tomb provided a sacred place for the deceased to reside in peace and experience the afterlife. And it was also a place for family and friends to visit, much like the gravestones that we have yeah. today. Parts of the funerary <laughs> parts of the funerary rites of ancient Egypt are kept in the Book of the Dead. Love it. 
There are many spells within this book which protect a variety of things and assist in their journey into the underworld, the judgment and the afterlife itself. One of these spells is the protection of the deceased in their tomb. It consists of a very large illustration and text. Its purpose is to bring together all the magical aids required for burial and to perpetuate the protective funerary rituals. Mm -hmm. So in effect, they're protected forever. Yeah. Some of the texts were even carved onto sarcophagus or into bricks, or is it sarcophagi? Dunno. Or into bricks placed in the tomb itself. One spell in particular invokes the protection of the Egyptian gods themselves, including Thoth and many other spirits. Love it. So, in conclusion, death, really important to the Egyptians, yep. like to keep their burials protected, yep. don't want it disturbed. Nope. So they invoke magic, ritual, incantation. Everything. To protect. Yeah. So with this in mind, you can see how the curse of the pharaohs yes. came into being. The curse is believed to be cast upon any person who disturbs an ancient Egyptian mummy, especially a pharaoh. Mm. The curse can cause illness, bad luck, and even death. Yeah. I felt like I wanted to say that like Snape. Yes. When he's like, I yes. can teach you to ensnare the senses. You should have said it like that. Okay, should we try again? Yeah, do it again. The curse can cause illness, bad luck, and even death. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> One curse in particular is that of the nomarch or governor, Anktifi. 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 Right. Sorry, it's getting comfy. Yeah, <laughs> crack on. <laughs> Start calling you bloody lolly. <laughs> the curse in the tomb states, any ruler who shall do evil or wickedness to this coffin, may Heman not accept any good he offers, and may his heir not inherit. So Heman was, the Egypt- was an Egyptian... Falcon God. Wow. Yes. We love falcons. Another account comes from Zahi Hawass, an Egyptian archaeologist who was excavating at Qom Abu Billow. On the day that he transported artefacts from the site, his cousin died. Mm. On the year anniversary of his cousin's death, his uncle died. No. And on the third anniversary of his cousin's death, his aunt died. Oh my God. Years later... When excavating the tombs of the builders of the pyramids, he encountered the curse itself, and it stated this. Mm. All people who enter this tomb, who will make evil against this tomb and destroy it, may the crocodile be against them in the water, and snakes against them on land. May the hippopotamus be against them in water, the scorpion against them on land. I love it. I love it so much. brilliant. He decided not to disturb the mummies. But later, he did remove two child mummies from Baharia, 
He claimed that the children haunted his dreams mm. and they didn't stop until the mummies were reunited with the mummy of their father. Aww. I know. However, yes. perhaps the most famous of the Pharaoh's curse mm-hmm. was that of Tutankhamun. Oh my God, I'm so excited. It brought the curse's attention to the masses after the deaths of members of Howard Carter, the archaeologist who discovered the tomb, team, and other visitors who visited the tomb shortly thereafter. Carter's team opened the tomb in 1922. It is said that shortly after the opening, one of Carter's messengers found a cobra in in a birdcage at the entrance to Carter's house. The canary was dead in the mouth of the cobra. And being the symbol of the Egyptian royal family, the rumour of the curse took hold. Yeah. It was seen as the royal cobra had broken into Carter's home as he had broken into the tomb of Tutankhamun. Killed his canary. Yep. The first of the mysterious deaths was that of Lord Carnarvon. Yeah. Bitten by a mosquito, he later slashed the bite open whilst shaving. It became infected and he died of sepsis. Even Arthur Conan Doyle, author of Sherlock Holmes, waded into the death of Carnarvon, stating that his death was caused by elementals created by Tutankhamun's priests to guard the tomb. Wow. How cool. That's cool. Go, Arthur. Another individual to befall the curse was Sir Bruce Ingram. Carter had gifted him with a paperweight made of a mummified hand adorned with a scarab bracelet. The bracelet had an inscription which stated, Cursed be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water and pestilence. Soon after Ingram received the gift, his house burnt down. No. Once it was rebuilt, it was besieged by floods. So is it true? Does the curse of the pharaoh really exist? Yes. I have some facts. Yes, it does. I think it does. I've decided. I would like. I like to think it does. I. Uh, I. I've decided it does. Skeptics point out that of the fifty-eight people that mm. entered slash visited Tutankhamun's yes. tomb, only eight died within a dozen years after. Though, putting it into a statistical format, that's still 14% of those people. That is a lot. I wouldn't take my chances. Nope. Would you? Nope. No. I would want to be a paleontologist, not an archaeologist. I want to dig up dinosaurs. Yeah. Like Denver, the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Though the curse itself is said to have claimed more than those present or who entered the tomb. Mm -hmm. Four people died within a year of the tomb being opened. A further two within the following year. And in total, 11 deaths 
were reported within the first 10 years of the tomb being opened? Nope. It's important to add, as I come to the end of my story, that some authors and documentarians even believe that the curse is scientifically real and that it, the causes are bacterial or radiation-based. Mm. And that's... From inside the tomb. Yeah. So yeah. they open the tomb and there's some like ancient yeah. bacteria in there. It gets into the person, yeah. kills them. Yeah. I totally believe that. Mm. And that's it. I'm down with that. Yeah. I bloody love Egypt. Oh, so much. Oh, it's just so great. That was great. Thank you. So I did do a little bit about spells, but not enough to even warrant continuation. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's it. That's that's what I got on the Curse I of the bloody love it. Like Tutankhamun and, oh God, I just love it. And I love the mummy, the film, the mummy. <sighs> Everything about it. Jewel of the Nile. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love all of the Egyptian gods and goddesses. Yeah. Isis was like... She was the goddess of magic as well. Badass. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, What's the Name podcast did a brilliant podcast on one of the Egyptian pharaoh queens. Oh, Is that right? yes. Oh, Fuck me, I can't remember what she was called, but I'll write it down and we'll tell you in the next episode. Yes. She was, it was so good and she was a proper badass. <laughs> proper job. So that's it. Oh, that was great. I know, thank you. Loved it. So, listeners, thank you for joining us for our episode on Witch Queens and Pharaoh's Curses. Yes, it's fab. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to help it grow, then tell a friend about Not For The Dinner Table. Mm. You can follow us on our social media platforms on Twitter at NFTDT, on Instagram at Not For The Underscore Dinner Table, where you can also DM us about our merch. Oh yes, please do, because I've got loads. It's all on the all on the fireplace yep. right now. I'm looking at it. I'll take we've... a little bit and stick that on Insta. We've got ghosts, we've got pumpkins and we've got palmistry. Yes. You can follow us on Facebook at Not For The Dinner Table. And in the new year, we will be starting the Not For The Dinner Table group. We will. Or email us on notforthedinnertable at gmail.com. And you can send us your listener stories, your questions, or like Kate did, suggest a topic for us to cover. Leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, but especially on Apple Podcasts, if you use that platform. Platform? Platform. Platform. You can listen to Not For The Dinner Table on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. The podcast is written and produced by... Me. And me, because it's our podcast. And no one else is. <laughs> our logo was created by Kaylee, and you can see more of her work on Instagram at kcreatesdesign. And our music was by Chris Scott from the amazing Ask Karen podcast. We love you, Chris. And before we go, Sophie, yes. what's your favourite pop culture spell? Mm. Um, um, we, well, we said about Bibbity Bobbity Boo earlier. Yeah. That's quite a good one. I love. What do you love? 
Traguna, Macoides, Tracorum, Satisteen. Well, Harry Potter. Bedknobs and broomsticks. Oh, yeah. And remember, everyone is welcome at our dinner table. Except... Mm. Richard III. Yeah, bore off yeah. Richard. Stop calling everyone a, ri- a, a rich. A witch. <laughs> a witch, you bitch. Rich. <laughs> Isn't he the one that was buried in the car park? Oh, yeah. yeah. Where was that? Fitting. Fitting. In uh, Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, bloody hell. Well, shouldn't yeah, have called everybody park. a bloody witch, should he? Yeah, you dick. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you literally just called the King of England a dick. Yeah, but he's not the King of England now, is he? He's in a car park in Not in Leicester, not Nottingham. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs>